Hey guys, Ryan here. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Fierce Parenting Podcast. Uh, today we got the distinct honor of interviewing our friends, Adam and Chelsea Griffin. Now, Adam's actually a pastor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He has been a pastor down there for many years, but he actually co-wrote not too long ago a book called Family Discipleship with none other than Matt Chandler. I'll tell you firsthand, we've had the book, we have multiple copies of it, we've given copies of the book away. It's incredibly helpful for parents who want to learn how to disciple their children unto the glory of God. And that is actually what we talked about today. We talked to Adam and Chelsea about how they integrate true rhythms of discipleship to teach, to train, to entrust the hearts of their young ones into the hands of God. And so today, I hope and I pray that you'll find something helpful in this conversation we had with Adam and Chelsea Griffin. And we'll see you on the other side. Adam and Chelsea Griffin, welcome to the Fierce Parenting Podcast. Thank you for joining us, you guys. Yes. Uh, thanks for having thanks us. For, yeah, we thanks just for letting through. us be here. You've been on the marriage side mm-hmm. of the ministry, on the Fierce Marriage side of the ministry before, mm-hmm. once or twice. I know, Adam, you've written a good number of articles for us, so it's exciting yeah. to have you on the parenting side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're so excited. I mean, we we love being married, but we also love being parents. Yeah, that's good. They go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. I like that you guys are fierce no matter what you do. Yes. Parenting or being married, just doing it fiercely. We cannot escape the term. Selena <laughs> came up with the word, and now it's my life. It is your life. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, just so any new listeners out there, can you guys maybe tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, your family, uh, what you guys do, and uh, then we'll jump into some questions about... Uh, family discipleship, because that is our topic for today. And, and and you guys are the experts on all things family yes. discipleship. Mm. Like you literally wrote the book <laughs> on family discipleship. <laughs> yeah. so we do, we don't receive that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we wrote the book on imperfect parenting uh, called Family Discipleship. <laughs> Chelsea, uh, ladies first, why don't you tell them a little bit about us? Okay. I'm Chelsea. My husband's Adam. We've been married. Um, we're, we're in our 12th year of marriage. We have three mm. kids. They are all male. And uh, they're six, eight, and about to be ten, and they're a lot of fun. We like them a lot. Um, I'm a labor and delivery nurse, and uh, and my husband Adam is the pastor of our church. Yeah. You tell him something, Adam. Tell well, something I think related to this conversation, I did get the opportunity to write a book called Family Discipleship with Matt Chandler a couple of years ago with Crossway. And since then, we got invited by our friends over at Knowing Faith, which is a, another great podcast. They invited us to start a podcast called the Family Discipleship Podcast. And so Chelsea and I, for kind of the first time in our marriage, we have our first kind of public ministry together. We've been yeah. counseling couples through premarital counseling for a long time. Uh, but now we're getting to do something together on a podcast with our friend Cassie, where we talk about spiritually leading our families, and we're also huge fans of fierce marriage, fierce parenting. Aww. Oh man, has it really been? You said a couple of years ago you wrote this book. I feel like this book just came out. Maybe it's because you wrote it. <laughs> well, that's the thing is writing a book. Uh, I st- we started writing the book four years ago, and it came out in August of last year. So it's just over a year that it's been released. And uh, there's a couple exciting things. It'll be released in other languages yes. in the next 18 months or so. And so even wow. though we've been working on it for years, there's still new things that will come out over the next couple of years that are exciting. Oh, man. That's exciting. I love it. God is moving. He's, yes. He is moving. Yeah. So family discipleship, how would you define family discipleship uh, within your family as a pastor? 
I like to define it as uh, critically important and mostly ordinary spiritual leadership of your home. So it's critically important for a couple reasons, because the Lord asked us to do it. That makes it mm-hmm. important because he deserves it. That makes it important because it make a huge difference in your kid's eternity. That makes mm-hmm. it important because it makes a huge difference in your child's present reality. That makes it important. There's a lot of things about it that are important. Um, I like to think of it too like this, like parents would never balk an eye at f- making sure your kid is fed making sure your kid is sheltered, making sure your kid is educated or clothed. We would not send our kids out the door uh, naked and unfed with no plan for education or shelter. We just wouldn't do that. But what the Bible makes clear is even more important than any of those things is your spiritual life, is your soul. So parents have a responsibility, and it's critically important. It's more important than many of the other things you would never go a day without addressing. And so to me, it's critically important. And then we talk about it being mostly ordinary, uh, that doesn't mean that sometimes it's not special, sometimes it's not fantastic, but to me, the best version of spiritual leadership is something that's very normal for your kid. So it should be a normal thing in your household, if you're a Christian family, to open the Bible together or to go to church together or to talk about the things of the Lord. This morning, uh, my oldest son and I were talking through Philippians chapter two together, and that's normal. He's not going, wait, what? And why are we getting a Bible? It's like, that is an ordinary part of what we do, and it's in the not the one time you talked about your faith with your kids, but in the million times you had tiny little faith talks or yeah. little family discipleship moments or uh, the million times you've gone somewhere with them and they've seen you pray or seen you open your Bible, seen you as a worshiper. That's the ordinary essence of family discipleship. So it is very, very important, but it's it's also mm-hmm. best when it's mostly ordinary. I love that. So good. Well, this podcast is over. (laughs) Sounds like we got to complete that. We're done. (laughs) Thanks for coming, Chelsea. (laughs) It's been been a pleasure. (laughs) Uh, No, your your book very much defines that. And it's, Mm. I love just how equipping it is and how Mm. I think liberating is for parents to embrace this idea of family discipleship. Um, Chelsea, as a mom, how do you implement this into your daily rhythms um you're a labor and delivery nurse so you have hopefully some set hours i don't know things might be a little crazy right now um (laughs) maybe you can kind of speak to that yeah so um both of our jobs um cause us to work odd hours sometimes so Mm. um uh by the grace of god i'm equipped to teach the scriptures to my children and uh to help disciple them and so a lot of that Adam and I do together at the same time, and then we do it separately as well. So, um, you know, I I know the book talks about time, moments, and milestones, an important time that we have every night. We have time in the Word every night. Mm -hmm. Um, So every night with our kids, we read the Bible, and um, we pray together, and we sing together. So it's kind of like a mini church service, but there's nothing super formal about it. It's also a great time for our kids to, to share something that's going on in their life. Um, what we like about doing this at night with our kids is that, um, kids inherently do not want to go to bed. Yeah. And so, (laughs) um, (laughs) most parents of school age kids know that a lot of times, you know, if on your kid's way home from school, you say, how was your day? And they say, good or okay. (laughs) And you don't get a lot out. But, um, I found over, over our years of parenting, our kids will share more at bedtime, Mm -hmm. um, probably just because they don't want the day to be over and whatever else. And I'm here to exploit that. So, um, <laughs> uh, cause I want to know, I want to know what's going on in their life. And, um, uh, so yeah, so we pray together. Sometimes we have our boys pray for each other, um, or pray for us, or we pray for them. Um, but we're just 
trying to practice community with our kids. Mm. This is what God's people do. God's people read his word and God's people study it and they try to understand it and they try to apply it to their lives. And then God's people worship God. And so we, we sing our praises to God together as a family and, um, and, and we pray together. Mm. Um, these are just things that God's people do that I want our kids to feel really equipped that they know how to do that and that it's a normal part of their life and of course we have a lot of other little rhythms that we do as a family but that's an important one for us every night i love that well chelsea too chelsea is really 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 gifted at discipling our kids through whatever comes up whether it's if we're watching something uh sports or if it's a commercial that comes on or it's the news or whether it's a moment of discipline uh, that our kids are in trouble or it's something that happened in school my wife, just to brag on her for a second, she is always bringing it back to the truths of the gospel and to fight the lies that we so easily believe about ourselves and about reality. So yeah. we do have those formal times, but Chelsea, I really feel like her, her wheelhouse stuff is when she's bringing out the Bible, the parts of the Bible that she has committed to memory and how, applies them to the moment that our kids are sitting in the middle of. I love that. I was actually... Thanks, um, babe. Give me more compliments. Yeah. <laughs> And she's pretty, and she smells Thanks. good. Okay, that's <laughs> all around delight. I was babe. waiting for something along the lines. Of that. Okay, great. Carry on. Yeah, I was listening to something recently where they were um, encouraging parents to really, like you said, Chelsea, to exploit those moments before bedtime, mm-hmm. because that is, the, and it's also, and I'm not a cognitive, you know, I'm not like a therapist or anything like that. But they said from a uh, developmental standpoint, like that's that's where they kind of reground themselves after a day, right? That whatever mm-hmm. they've mm-hmm. gone through, you're kind of regrounding them. In something, right? Mm-hmm. And that's Christian. Mm-hmm. We're grounding them in the things of God and in the relationship that we have with them as, you know, co kind of co laborers with Christ, right? Or a brother and sister in Christ. That, um, but I wanted to ask another specific question, and we'll move on to um, uh, the milestones piece, I think. But how do you know what to read? Or how do you guys decide what to read with your kids? Or what, what level mm-hmm. of depth or what level of study or what pace? And what does that Bible reading time actually tangibly look like? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, Chelsea, maybe you could speak to a little bit of like uh, what we've done at different times specifically, yeah. but I think in general, we've gone sometimes page by page. Okay, we'd read this page yesterday. We're going to read this page today. Mm. Sometimes we've done different books of the Bible in Advent. Sometimes we're doing an Advent book that leads to something, but we also might just be uh, what we've done the last couple of days is we've dealt with some discipline issues is very specific scriptures that we feel like apply to what our kid is going through. And then at other times, honestly, Ryan and Selena, our kids, we've studied the Bible now. Our oldest is 10. So sometimes we're studying abstract, obscure passages where we're going, hey, you guys have studied the Bible a lot. You don't need to hear the David and Goliath story again at this time if you don't also know the story about um, Elijah and the she-bears. Let's get into it. You know, Let's talk about (laughs) some stories that maybe you don't know as much about and try to find some minor prophets that they have no awareness of. But Chelsea, we share a little bit about what the some of the specifics i'm thinking like the armor of god thing we did on vacation last year or the proverbs that sure. you did over the summer sure so um man how great is it that the the amount of resources out there is endless so there's mm. a lot of great options at the same time it's easy to feel overwhelmed by that as a parent and so i want to encourage parents to say like you really can't go wrong here right the word of god is right. living and active yeah. um and it, it promises a return so mm. uh i don't want any parent to feel paralyzed by the decision of like, what children's Bible should I use? You're going, praise mm-hmm. the Lord. You're reading the word to your kids. Yeah. Um, so do it, do it up big, go crazy. Um, in our in our kids' situation, 
our our oldest I would say is a lot more mature than our youngest and yet we do this as a family together and so that's a challenge and a lot of challenges I mean a challenge that a lot of families will have is if their kids are like you know six or seven years apart in age you know even more than ours and how do you do that on a more individual basis or how do you make it applicable and so there's a lot of resources out there for that but of course as kids are really young you know this starts really really simple but we want to create that rhythm that our, and our kids can't remember a time that they weren't prayed for before they went to bed, right? Because mm-hmm. you start that with a baby. You're praying over them and blessing them and singing to them as a, as a little infant that they always remember that. And then um, when our kids were really little, we loved that Jesus Storybook Bible. We used it a lot. Um, and then we've used, um, it's called the Big Picture Interactive Study Bible. Mm-hmm. I really like that one and recommend it to parents a lot. It has a lot of scripture that's quoted rather than like paraphrased. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, the pa- but the stories are like one page, but they all have an insight at the end at how, the scrip- how that passage points to Christ or points to the gospel. And I think that's really helpful because um, whether you've been in the church a long time or not, um, some of the obscure stories can feel challenging for a parent of like, I don't really know how to teach this, this chapter. Hmm. Um, or it just, it's just helpful. It's just good insight. A lot of times, um, it's helped me individually in my faith. And I'm like, wow, I never thought about this story that way. So that's been really helpful. Um, one time we went through the Proverbs with our boys at night. And so my point in taking them through that was that there's 31 Proverbs and most months have around 30 days. And so if you're ever at a place where you're like, you're with your Bible and you don't know what to read, you can read the, the proverb of that date. What If it's the 8th, you can read Proverbs 8 and you so can look good. for something. So as we went through the Proverbs with our kid each night, we did whatever that day's date was. We did that proverb. And um, some of the proverbs are confusing. So <laughs> for, the, for most of them, I kind of pulled out one distinct verse or a couple verses um, that I thought our boys could apply and you know just teaching them what is wisdom um, that wisdom is God's truth applied to your life and the Proverbs just teach wisdom Um, and Adam what's that thing you say about Proverbs that it's uh, precepts not not promises not promises Mm -hmm. yeah Right. Mm. So there's a lot of things about like working hard and getting the benefit, right? That's a precept. It's not a promise that every time you do something good, something good will happen to you, right? But the precepts are that wise living has has benefits, right? So um, just taking our kids through some of those, teaching them some of the common um, ways that people misuse certain scriptures Mm. um, to kind of make it sound like God should give them what they want or whatever, Mm. you know. Um, But that was helpful, I think, for our kids. And um, honestly, right now, I was just... We were just talking last night about what we're reading with them, and I, I really think all three of them are kind of ready for something just a little a little deeper. And so we'll be looking into that in the future. Yep. That's really cool. So she's, you guys are basically, you know, you're, you're doing discipleship on that whole uh, I do, we do, and then you do. Like you're just training them in that. Mm-hmm. You're constantly, I'm going to do, I read the Bible, we read the Bible together as a family and then I love what you said about just equipping them. If, you, if you're reading your Bible and you don't know where to start, Proverbs is always a good place. That's just something that always slips my mind, I think, as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but to just equip your kids in those, those moments is, is so powerful. Um, and the next question I want to kind of slide into here is, is the modeling. Um, cause clearly you guys are doing that, um, really well, I will just say, and mm-hmm. it's encouraging to hear that. And I just want to kind of hear your guys' heart. Um, it, it in this book that you guys have wrote, Family Discipleship, talking about uh, modeling how you love God and how that is uh, an aspect of discipleship. You talk about how to love yourself, 
your spouse and your neighbors. Um, I kind of want to just hone in on, of course, how you love God and how that overflows. And maybe that's already been answered kind of question. But then in our day and age, how how we love ourselves? what it, that has so much connotation. And I think people can, yeah. uh, I don't know, falls on <laughs> different really, sides of the fence. It's really cringy from a yes. worldly standpoint. But yeah, uh, as a sure. application. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you guys can just so take You're talking about moments. spa day. Spa day yeah. and self-care. <laughs> <laughs> can you just say it? You're talking about pampering yourself and is... Uh, and the idea that I have to take care of myself, so yes. I have to treat myself—that's uh, what <laughs> treat, <yourself. laughs> treat yourself. Treat yourself. Yes. Yeah, I think one of the honestly one of the negative connotations or negative um, critiques that I received about the book is people felt like I was too strong in saying that you should uh, love yourself, and I didn't think I was too strong at all. In fact, mm-hmm. I thought I qualified it probably overly much to say I'm not saying that you become some kind of idol, some kind of god right. that your life is centered upon. But rather, like the the Lord has not called you to love other people and despise yourself. He's called you to mm-hmm. love other people as you love yourself. And what we mean by that is uh, that God has created you in His image. Therefore, you have value, whether you know Him or not. A human being has value because they're created in God's image. Mm-hmm. And as you come to know our Savior and see the way He loves you, you see that your value is intrinsic, and it's mm-hmm. around what He's been willing to pay for you. It's around what He has uh, done for you, the way He feels about you. And so, why? Why couldn't you feel free to have a love that is also expressed inwardly because you have a father who loves you so much? Which one of us as a parent would look at a kid who really told us they hated themselves and say, well, you probably should, son. Mm-hmm. Like we would not do that. We would not say, yeah, yeah, you should despise yourself. And nor does our heavenly father look at us and say, yeah, just hate yourself. No, what we want to do is model for our kids what it looks like not to run into hubris, but into humility saying, I'm so confident in who the Lord has made me mm-hmm. that I can walk in a lot of uh, assurance and a lot of security around how to love other people. Hubris is the love of self that is narcissistic. It says, I, I'm I'm so in love with myself that everybody else pales in comparison. Mm. Uh, but humility is a love of self. It says, I'm so confident in who I am. I can, mm. I can lead others. And I think what we model for our kids, hopefully, is not just like spa days and massages and mom and dad eat whatever we want while you guys have uh, cereal Cheerios thrown on the floor. You know, we're not <laughs> modeling that. We're, what we're trying to model is that a, a group of people, your parents, your mother and father, love each other very much, but our love is built around a love of a perfect God. Therefore, you're going to see us worshiping. You're going to see us reading our Bibles. You're going to see and hear us praying. And more than anything, what's more important in modeling is you're going to see us repenting because uh, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to have to come back around and say, hey, here's, here's where dad really messed up. And here's where dad did not live out what he was supposed to or sharing with our kids. When I was your age, I made that exact same mistake and I needed to walk mm-hmm. in repentance. I needed change. That's what our kids need. It's not a, a perfect parent. It's a, it's a repentant, godly parent. Yeah. Amen. amen. Was it Calvin who wrote in his institutes, I think is the, you know, the something, something important, like <laughs> knowing, knowing that sounds like Calvin like growing as a Christian. <laughs> Growing, it has much to do with basic knowledge of God and knowledge of self, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and that's, I think, having a sober view of mm-hmm. my both, you know, my the fallenness, my need for a savior, but also the fact that I am made in God's image, mm-hmm. and that's not that's mm-hmm. not just a throwaway line from Scripture. Like that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I think some of us have heard at some point. Um, a version of the gospel that's just a just a tiny bit twisted but can really affect how we live that idea that like you you because you are a sinner you're this worthless piece of garbage mm. um but god in his mercy saved you anyways mm. 
um, that you were so sinful and um, just kind of so despicable, but God was so merciful and he saved, saved you anyways to show you his glory and his kindness. And um, man, it is true that God saved us in his mercy. And I don't know if y'all have ever heard anything preached like that, oh, yeah. but I know I have several times and um, uh, it matched some other negative messages I've heard before. And so it's easy for me to believe, but the reality is God, the father paid the highest price to get us back, mm. to ransom us to himself. And mm. so there's proof there that we have unbelievable value because your value, the value of anything is the price someone would pay for it, yeah. right? Yep. And so our value is proved um, by the price God would pay to get us back into relationship with him. And we think about our own children. If our own children were separated from us, what ransom would we not pay? What mm. would we not give mm. to mm-hmm. get our own kids back? And so um, to walk around kind of thinking like I'm this heap of garbage, essentially redeemed and, you know, God was nice to save me, but I'm, but I'm worthless. That's the kind of thing that we really want to fight against. Um, It's not so that everybody is being pampered. It's the idea that you wouldn't preach something to yourself in your own head that you would never say to your children. Yeah. I would never tell my kid. I mean, I've struggled before with like um, feeling bad for people. If people celebrate me on my birthday. And for some reason, I feel kind of bad for that sometimes. You know, my counselor is going like, no, people should. God tells people to love other people. That means they need to love you. And I'm like, something doesn't sound right about that. <laughs> and, um, but, but that is the reality is God called us to love. So that means, and, and that we have value. So it's not right for me to preach something to myself that goes against God's word on that. That, I, that I'm worthless or that I don't... Those kind of ideas that like you deserve nothing, but God was nice to you. And you're going, well, I would, I hear what they're saying. I would never say that to my kids. We don't ransom our kids from their slavery because like they earned it either. But we also wouldn't say like, you are so worthless. You owe me everything now. Oh gosh. I'm so disappointed in you. No, we would say, I just love you so much. You're not garbage to me. Yeah. Yeah, I delight in you. So I love to provide for you and I love to take care of you. Um, Not look how gracious mommy is. You don't even deserve dinner, but I gave you dinner anyways. We would never say that. We say, yeah, I love you. Sometimes you, sometimes you feel like t- saying that. <laughs> sure. But the reality is you're going, I, I love you and I love to provide for you. Not uh, you're, you're worthless, but I'm, but I'm really nice. So I did yeah. it anyways. So that, that yeah. misconstrues God and it misconstrues us. That's good. And what that does too is it, it, it's very grounding from a personal worth standpoint, like we've been talking about here, but ultimately that just points to just how awesome God truly is right that he mm-hmm. he he would love us to that level um, oh yeah you said this in the book you wrote you can't do today's family discipleship tomorrow <laughs> uh, when I read that it wrecked me <laughs> because uh, procrastination yeah. is so easy and there's always tomorrow right at least we think that yeah um, and so define for us what you mean by the moments like these these discipleship moments that we can really um, yeah. Kind of well, I'll just I'll, I'll define moments in a second, but first you need to know that that line is a twisted version of what my wife has written on the exercise room of our home, Chelsea, which says what? What does it say? You can't do t- today's workout tomorrow. <laughs> you can't. There it is. Yep. You can't. Yep. And the same is workout. The same is true as exercise. Like if you say, oh, I'll run twice as much tomorrow, that yeah. does not equal having exercise today. <laughs> and so if we... Uh, 
disciple our families or in it, just say, you know what, we'll read twice as many chapters on Saturday. We'll just wait till then. And think that excuses us from discipling our family today. That's that's a false comparison. Mm -hmm. So to say I can do this discipleship tomorrow is to say I won't disciple my kids. Um, So when we talk about moments in in the book, uh, what we're talking about is leveraging everyday circumstances in order to talk about uh, God's character, or to talk about God's characteristics, or to talk about godly character. What does it look like for me to live more like God? And in the Griffin home and, and the Chandler home, and what, what we talk about in that book is having unified language. Uh, mm-hmm. that, so Chelsea and I can both use the same kind of phrasing when we address certain things with our kids, but also just being actively engaged with your kids enough to notice when there's an opportunity to share the gospel with them so that you might remind them of things that are true. That's, that's mm-hmm. moments. It's not reserving talking about Jesus until we have a moment that we have planned it, like family discipleship time, or reserving it until we're at church. But it's refusing to compartmentalize what we believe about Jesus mm-hmm. and saying it applies to everything we do. Amen. Amen. I love that. So we um, have started doing family worship. Well, years ago, we started yeah. doing family worship almost every morning if, and sometimes in the evenings. And that's been transformational for us. And it's just become such a, a natural part of our day. Hmm. And I, we oftentimes will forget that not every family's there. Either they haven't known yeah. about it. Like when I, I didn't know about family worship until yeah. three, four years ago. And then I'm like, now I'm like, how do we possibly go without this as a Christian household? So I'm, I'm just already hearing kind of some of the people hearing, you know, listening to this, watching this. They might feel discouraged. They don't know where to start. Like everything we've described is like, man, our kids are already, mm-hmm. you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven, even older than that. Uh, I've missed moments. What encouragements do you have for those parents? Where can they start yeah. today? On this Chelsea and I talked about that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, you want to get into that a little bit in our own personal lives? Um, yeah, we we talked with a, a guy who's written a really um, interesting book about how dads can parent their sons and. I, I told him, I just, I was like, I instantly feel inspired and at the same time overwhelmed and behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, whoa, these are great ideas. These are big ideas. And, and um, at the same time, yeah, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Um, I think uh, something we've talked about on our own podcast, uh, I don't mean this harshly at all, but but there is a reality that if if it's God's command for us to raise our kids in the truth, and however old your kid is, you're you're looking you're listening today, and you're going, oh, I haven't been doing it. You need to repent. Um, that was that was God's command. You were supposed to be stewarding this child, and so you repent. And this is your opportunity um, to just exercise that faith in the gospel. Mm-hmm. There's forgiveness. God always wants us back. He always wants us to turn. That that's that repentance. It's to turn and go the other way. And he wants us to do that immediately. He never wants that delayed. And so repent to God and to your children. And so if if your kids have been watching cartoons in the morning and then you said, sorry, we're going to start, we're actually going to start reading and praying in the morning. Um, you know, you say, sorry, God said, God says I have to make a change. And so mm. you tell your kids, I, I wasn't obeying God. I wasn't being a good steward of my time with you. And I'm sorry for that. And, and so mom and dad, were, mom and dad are going to change. Right. And so we need to tell you, tell you we're sorry. And, um, but we have to listen to God on this. Yeah. And so if your kids don't like it, that's okay. It, yeah, I think there's an important distinction, too, there in what you're saying, Chelsea, that we're not saying 
we're apologizing for discipling you. We're apologizing that we haven't been already yes. doing this. I'm not yes. saying, I'm sorry you can't watch cartoons this morning. I'm saying, I'm sorry I've been letting you watch cartoons instead of knowing your Savior with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the difference is not like apologetically leading your family, kind of hesitantly saying, ooh, right. I'm so sorry we're going to be in the Bible today, but boldly saying, hey, who mom and dad are supposed to be, we want to be. This is the command of Lord, and we do it out of joy, joyful obedience, not just out of some kind of dutiful, cold compliance, but because I believe this is better. The Lord's mm-hmm. asked me to do something better, and I'm sorry I haven't been doing it more before, but I think there are a lot of places to start, and I think it's like anything else. If you asked me tomorrow, Ryan, if I wanted to run a marathon with you next year, which I don't know if you're that guy or not, not but if you okay, <laughs> and you said, hey, let's run a marathon in six months, I wouldn't go, okay, well, let's try 26 miles tomorrow and see how it feels. Like We, we wouldn't do that. We would say, well, what's a, what's a good plan for us if we want to, in six months, be off and running? Like, we want to be able to accomplish something really hard. What are the bite-sized pieces now? And so that does mean, similarly, we would say, hey, family discipleship tomorrow doesn't look like you're a Greek and Hebrew scholar, maybe. But it right. might look like just saying, hey, mom, tried to read this today, and I'm, I still don't really know what it means. Mm-hmm. But kids, could you process this with me? Like, mm-hmm. uh, why do you think God would say this? What does it mean for us if it's true? Uh, or picking up a family devotional or, or a book or a Bible and just saying, let's just, let's pick a bite-sized piece and let's just pray together. Uh, what would you mm-hmm. like to see the Lord change? Okay, let's pray for those things. It's, it's not as hard sometimes as we make it in our minds. We make it hard in our minds because we imagine that other people's version of it is um, the Frederick kid sitting around begging for more, going, oh, dad, please don't stop. Please talk about more <laughs> about usually, your... please your, stop. Your, Can we go play? <laughs> <laughs> the teaching is that they're like, Dad, will you write me a book? Will yeah. you write a book just to me? And, you know, typically everybody has um, human beings for children, which means they are going to be resistant. It means they are going to have nights where they don't want to be engaged. It also means that a lot of times family discipleship seems really, really just ordinary, normal stuff. And it doesn't seem like it's changed their heart overnight, but it's those incremental, those uh, degree by degree mm-hmm. changes that we see in the kid or uh, or um, speaking scripture into our kid every day that leads to that leads to life change mm. so but to be fair you you wouldn't recommend that a family that's just deciding to do this you know think let's how can we grow we can grow in our faith let's go ahead and read the last half of Daniel right <laughs> so let's read the book of Revelation or yeah. whatever that where I mean we talked about proverbs a little bit I know the Psalms yeah. can be, some of the Psalms can have the same effect. Where would you recommend that family begins? Yeah, depending on the age of the kids, uh, if they're older, I might start in the book of John and say, John chapter one, and let's let's get a Bible with cross references so we can mm-hmm. see like where else is the gospel of Jesus Christ referenced in other places. So the gospel of John, you start with verse one and say, in the beginning was the word and the word was uh, with God and the word was God. And I'd go, oh, there's a cross reference here to Genesis chapter one, verse one. Okay, in the beginning was God who created the heavens and the earth. And then mm-hmm. you're going, okay, so all this is connected and it's gonna tell me a story about this person who's the word. And, and you're gonna read through the miracles of, of Jesus. And I, I think I'd start, honestly, mm-hmm. if I'm starting with a new believer, I go, John, Acts, mm-hmm. Romans. I go, who's mm-hmm. Jesus? I go, what happened after he ascended in heaven? And then I go, how does that work out in the theology of the church? And I do cross-references. To me, it's a great place to start, because then when you're reading the Old Testament, you can read it with Christ in view. Yeah. Now, people can also start really easily in the Psalms. They're, they're bite-sized pieces of scriptures meant to stand alone. Some of them are difficult to understand, but a lot of them are either celebratory or they're lamenting. And Mm -hmm. every human being can relate to those emotions and the faithfulness of God, uh, whether it's the hardest day of your life or the the most Mm -hmm. celebratory. And that's also an easy place to start. Wow. 
Wow, excellent. I love talking to you guys. I, I really want to have lots of questions around like <laughs> gospel fluency in the middle of this, <laughs> biblical <Literacy>. literacy, <laughs> yeah. worship around all this. What are the effects in our hearts? I think we're out of time for today. So I'm going to say this. You guys have you have this incredible resource, the podcast. It's just the Family Discipleship Podcast, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. So listeners, go find that podcast. Uh, listen to Adam and Chelsea talk about this stuff at length. Mm-hmm. Also pick up this book, Family Discipleship. It's been extremely helpful for us on this piece of, of our parenting journey. Uh, and do you guys have any other of those types of resources that you would recommend? Uh, yeah, I just, uh, John Tyson wrote a book called The Intentional Father. If you've got a teenage son and you're thinking about raising him to be a man, I think that's another mm. uh, a great resource out there. And then, uh, like Chelsea said, uh, pick up a Bible and read a Bible yourself, read it with your kids. I think any inductive Bible study that you can do and then use it whatever level your kids are at is a great resource to be in as well. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else, though? No. All right. Adam and Chelsea, thank you guys for joining us. This has been a joy. I can't wait uh, to talk to you guys again. Yeah, it was a joy for us. Thanks for having us. Awesome. (laughs)